God is good. And all the time. Oh, that y'all didn't forget that. It's been a while since I've done that. But it's such a joy uh, to be here before you, family, Southeast Raleigh Table, uh, to preach once again. Uh, if you missed last week or this is your first time joining us, we've started a series uh, this Thanksgiving season um, with the idea of becoming the answer uh, to our prayers and to the prayers of others. And our pastor, Pastor Lisa, kicked us off last week, uh, encouraging us to be little Christ, uh, reminding us that if we want to see compassion in the world, then we must be compassionate. If we want to see love and peace, then we must embody this love and peace. And the challenge was given uh, to us to put off old ways and to learn and see as Christ has taught us. And to live in a way that reflects the fact that we are disciples of the Christ, of Jesus the Christ. And so we don't have a typical sermon series of giving thanks this year. But may I suggest that Thanksgiving is in this series? Because we have been blessed to possess the power of being answers to our prayers and to be the answers to other folks' prayers. And maybe our words and our actions will be a reason to give thanks around someone's table this year. And so today I want to take us to our scripture lesson uh, to read for our hearing. We've been uh, reading this for the last two Sundays, and we will uh, perhaps next Sunday. And so it comes from Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 3, and verse 17 through the third verse of chapter 5. It's a pretty long scripture, so hang in with this. But it's, it's something good to just hear the word of God read, you know? Even, even more than just listening to me, just the... The word of God. But it says, I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity." That is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourselves with the new self created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not make room for the devil. 
Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we ask you through your Holy Spirit, to speak today as we steal our hearts, our souls, and our minds to listen to you. May we not just be doers of your word, hearers of your word, but also doers. May we come to imitate you, God. May the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Strengthen our Redeemer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, recently I have found myself uh, surrounded by folks who are vegan or vegan curious or vegetarian. And I found myself eating vegan dishes, vegetarian dishes. And this is huge for me because I love meat. No offense to those who are vegan or vegetarian for ethical reasons, but I have not been delivered from a good hamburger, from a good barbecue rib, or even fried chicken. I just have not been delivered yet. Pray my strength in the Lord. Maybe the Lord may speak something to me. But somehow, on numerous occasions, I have been fooled, tricked, bamboozled, hoodwinked, into eating vegan dishes. And the, astound, the astounding part is I never knew I was eating this dish unless someone told me. I mean, lentils in place of meat for spaghetti, tofu and other veggie ingredients for meatloaf, or applesauce in the brownie to replace the egg that would have gone into the brownie to make it what it is. But let me tell you, every dish was very good, no matter how much I love my meat and my dairy products and all these other things. Every dish was good. And like I said, I never knew it was a vegan dish. I never knew it was a meatless dish until someone said so. And it was unbelievable how similarly the vegan dishes tasted to a regular dish that I would eat any day. And just a few days ago, I had a bite of a portobello mushroom burger. And y'all, I don't even like mushrooms. <laughs> I hate them. 
But this burger was so good, it tasted like a real hamburger, I'm telling you. And I realized the trick for some vegans and vegetarians is to season their food as if it was almost the real thing. Use the right seasoning for the portobello mushroom burger so that it tastes like a real hamburger. Get the right seasoning and marinara sauce so that the lentils taste like the meat that would usually accompany the spaghetti. Seasoning things so that they taste like what you have been taught for food to taste like. This may not be every vegan's story. This is just what I have encountered. Some of y'all say, I don't season my food so that it tastes like the regular thing. But this is just what I have experienced. But in all of this, I had to think about it. Y'all may laugh at this. Is Paul asking us to be vegan dishes? <laughs> Imitating the real thing? Season accordingly so that when people try you with eyes closed, they cannot discern whether you are the real thing or not. They cannot discern whether you are Jesus Christ or not. Paul is encouraging us to get to this point where we are so much like Christ that people taste and see the goodness of the Lord through us. But Paul says there are some things we got to do in order to taste so good. In order for people to get the taste of salt back into their mouths after it has been knocked out by hate and discrimination, by broken dreams and heartaches, we have work to do because people want to taste and see. And sometimes we are the samplers. And so Paul is writing to these Christians in the city of Ephesus, and he tells them, look, we have to live a life worthy of our calling. Meaning we cannot live as the world lives. We cannot hate our brother and our sister and say that we love God. We cannot avoid looking our neighbor in the eye. We cannot continue to walk in darkness and stay asleep to the horrors of the world. We can't be greedy and hoard all of our possessions. We cannot have lack of concern for the caravan, for the homeless, for the immigrant, for the imprisoned and those who have been released. Paul is saying we have to live a life worthy of the calling because the calling is much greater than us. So he says, don't do as the world does, but do as Christ. Imitate God. Put away falsehood. Speak truth and build one, up, one another up. Be angry. Yes, be angry at the system. Even do something about the system. But it says, don't sin in your anger. Put away everything that is not of love, that is not encouraging and uplifting. And by doing these things, you will be imitating God. You imitate God. You are imitating God. I remember spending summers uh, in Mississippi with my family. And sometimes my cousins and I, we would get so bored out there in the country. I mean, there was nothing really to do out there in the country. And so we would begin to play a game called Follow the Leader. And it was everyone's goal at some point to be the leader 
And as leader, you could do whatever you wanted to do so that your followers could look as ridiculous as possible while doing it. And the leader would try to do the hardest actions in order that followers would fail in repeating whatever it was. I mean, they would jump and climb trees. We would even sometimes weave through traffic so that people, yeah, it was, it was, it was something. And so we would do the craziest things, and the game no longer became follow the leader, but who could last? <laughs> the scary part is, is that many of us have come to see this walk of faith this way, as who can last? Because of the way we have preached it, because of the way we have come to understand this Christianity, this idea of follow Christ as much as you can, as long as you can, as best as you can, and we'll see who can last. And then Christ will come back and he'll receive all the followers who lasted. But brothers and sisters, can I encourage you and say this is not the case? This is not so? Jesus is not calling us to something that we cannot do. He is not leading us to fail. He is not leading us to fail us. But Jesus is calling us to succeed in following him in everything he has called us to do. And so Paul says, imitate God. Because although it sounds crazy and unbelievable and impossible, in fact, it is possible. And in imitating God, we possess the power to answer our own prayers and to answer the prayers of others. Now, I'm not saying that we are gods and we have the power apart from God to answer our prayers and the prayers of others, but God has created us so, and God wills for us to partner with God to answer prayers. And coincidentally, it is in and through prayer that we find the power and the strength to answer these prayers that are named and unnamed. Dr. Howard Thurman, a civil rights activist, theologian, and mystic, he believed that prayer was a form of communication between God and humanity and humanity and God. And God, and the very act of prayer, is the movement of the heart of humanity toward God. It is where our will becomes aligned with the will of God. And so the question is, what are we asking of God in prayer? Shane Claiborne, uh, doc, uh, I called her Dr. Lisa, I'm speaking some things into existence. <laughs> Pastor Lisa uh, mentioned this quote last, last Sunday. But Shane Claiborne says, prayer is not so much about convincing God to do what we want God to do as it is about convincing ourselves to do what God wants us to do. So many times in prayer, we're saying, God, where are you? God, such and such is happening. God, when are you going to act and do this and do that? God is saying, I created you. <laughs> you have the power to do what you are asking me to do. And all you have to do is align yourself with my will and see that I can work through you 
and I can do things through you that the world is in need of. And so it is in prayer that we seek these things, that we come to understand these things. And I know without a doubt that God want, what God wants is far greater, far better for me than what I want for myself or any other people. It is in prayer that we possess the power, the strength, the courage to imitate this great God where we sit and we are saturated with the love and the knowledge and the will of God. Every year, my father, for Thanksgiving, he would deep fry the turkey. I've been talking about a lot of food in this sermon. Thanksgiving is upon us, people, and I'm just excited, as you can tell. But every year, my father would deep fry this turkey, and this is what he does with, with most of his meat, but he would get the meat and he would season it so perfectly, and he would do this two, three days before it was time to actually cook the meat. He would season it perfectly and he would stick it into the refrigerator and he would let this meat seat, sit uh, for two to three days. And then on the day of Thanksgiving, he would take the turkey out, he would put it in that deep fryer, And at the table, we would eat, and not an inch of that turkey was without flavor, y'all. And this is God's desire for us, that we sit with God and marinate. Sit in God's presence and come to know the will of God so that we, little Christ, can go and be the hands and the feet of big Christ and do the will of God. We can only know what God's will is for our lives, for our church, for our world, through prayer. And here at Southeast Raleigh Table, we believe in the power of prayer, y'all. It's in prayer, in that secret place where we come to know the will of God. And in spending time with God, we become compassionate. And compassion shows up in the world. In sitting with God, we become full of grace, and grace shows up in the world. In being saturated by the Father's love, we overflow with love, and love shows up in the world. And marinating in the kindness of the mother, kindness shows up in the world. So the question is, are you spending time in prayer with God? And what are you saying? What are you asking? I want to close with the words from Dr. Howard Thurman. And just to warn you, Dr. Thurman uses masculine pronouns for humanity, and this is the custom of his writing for this time. But he says something that is really crucial for this topic of being the answer to our prayers, what it means to sit with God, and even reflecting on Jesus himself sitting with God. And this is what Dr. Howard Thurman says. The experience of prayer can be nurtured and cultivated. It can create a climate in which a man's life moves and functions. Indeed, it may become a way of living for the individual. It is ever possible that 
the time may come when a man carries such an atmosphere around with him and gives its quality to all that he does and communicates its spirit to all who cross his path. This was the most remarkable impact of the life of the master upon those whom he encountered. It was this that stilled the raging of the madman, that called little children to him, that made sinners know that their sins were forgiven. His whole countenance glowed with the glory of the Father. And the secret? A great while before day, he, Christ, withdrew to a solitary place and prayed, as was his custom. What is your custom? And what are you longing to see in this world? Can you pray with me? Oh God, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you for your word that has gone forth. We thank you for being gracious to us and sending us a word that can only come from you. God, I pray that the words that have been spoken today, it's falling on soft ground. I pray that as we go forth that we will learn to be imitators of you, God. That we will come to understand that this call that we have is much greater than we ourselves. That we have been called into a world that is longing to taste and see the goodness of you. And so God, teach us to be samples of that goodness. God, teach us to be salt in a world that has lost its flavor. God, teach us to be light in a world of darkness. God, teach us to lean on one another so that maybe in leaning on one another we may create a full course meal so that people can fully taste and see how deep your love is for us, how wide your love is for us. God, we thank you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. And the people of God say, Amen.